0: Welcome to episode twenty-three of Mancy, a podcast about magic and its impact on our culture. In each pair of episodes, we cover a different Mancy or method of magic. I'm R.J. Walker. I'm a spoken word artist and writer. With me is my co-host L.
1: I'm L. Alder, a professional psychic and a solitary eclectic witch.
0: A few weeks ago, we covered hydromancy, divination by water. Well, today. We're going to be talking about fire. In the earliest human societies, fire was nothing short of magic. In fact, it was believed to be a gift from the gods or a god in and of itself. Using fire magic goes all the way into prehistory. But the earliest records we have of fire magic is from 700 BC in, you guessed it, ancient Greece. At the same time, Mesopotamia and Eurasia uh, had a new spiritual craze called Zoroastrianism uh, happening, and they began practicing fire magic as well. L, have you ever used the fire magic or used fire as an ingredient in a spell?
1: Um, yes, I am a huge, huge lover of candle witchcraft. I just feel like it's a super easy way to give away energy to create space because when you're doing a spell... You're just vacating space in your energy in that same vibration. Like that's like the principle of how you do magic. So like in candles, it's really easy to like get a big old candle, light it on fire, and then you're actively creating that space in your life for that same vibration to come back. So I love, um, yeah, fire magic. Pyromancy is good.
0: It's great. Speaking of uh, fire magic, I'm going to say this while I remember, but... (laughs) I lit a magic spell candle. Yes. It is the time. Night, the the of the election. of the election. I of it myself, of my own volition, with no prompting from L. Yeah, or our you other didn't roommate. ask
1: us, right? You just did and it. I was
0: like so filled with anxiety about the election. That was so I was of a was I need to, little bit of can I light a magic candle to make Trump lose the election? We gave
1: RJ like a 30 cent chime candle and we're like, go for it.
0: And I like carved like Trump loses into the candle and uh, I lit it. And then I said, if Trump loses this election and Joe Biden becomes the president, I will admit on the podcast that magic is real. And? And? And here we are. The inauguration happened. We waited for the we inauguration. We waited for the inauguration. <laughs> <laughs> because,
1: you know, because, you know, like a week after when they were like, yeah, maybe these are the results. I was like, why do we go ahead and just wait to make sure he gets inaugurated? And then the siege happened. So then it seems like even more relevant that we wait for him know, to get inaugurated.
0: So it is me, big big skeptic pants here, um, <laughs> admitting that magic is real. I think magic in, in this way is just – Another word for hope. Uh, Is
1: that not it, though? Is that like not to, you know, when you think about the dedication it takes to put a spell together, like when you think about all of the fucking steps you have to take to do one, which I am a super lazy witch. That's why I'm a solitary witch, because I just want to like. Do my shit and not worry about it and light a fucking candle when I want to light one. But when you're going through, like, when something matters that much to you, you're going to sit there and you're going to, like, charge the candle and you're going to meditate and you're going to get the herbs and you're going to go on all the errands to collect all the shit and you're going to light it on fire and hope it doesn't burn down your house so you can scry the wax. Is that not a way of just saying I'm so committed to this thing that I'm willing to do what it takes to make it happen? Yeah, And is that not, you know, a reason to use magic?
0: Even if it's ridiculous, I think for me it was like the sense of helplessness. There's like, there's nothing I can do. Like I've done everything that I can do and all I can do is just sit back and let chaos do its thing. And the magic gives you just like a little bit of sense of control. Even if it's like a false sense of security, it is a sense of security uh, that is needed to keep you
1: sane. Well, I think, yeah, that's why, I mean, that's why I'm, why I do what I do, why I got into this, why I'm focusing on this, because a lot of times, like, as an abuse survivor, which one of my friends on Facebook was just like, I went to jail for abusing my wife, and that was not fair. Anyway, um, I felt like I didn't have a lot of, Options or I felt like I didn't have any control over my life when I started doing psychic work, when I started practicing witchcraft. And so it just was like the act of me saying like, no, I can actively affect and control this part of my future. Yeah. And making that choice.
0: Oh, the other thing I did was a bottle of red Fanta, which is still on our back <laughs> porch.
1: Well, so we were. What were we listening to?
0: Everything is alive this is another oh, podcast called yeah. Everything Is Alive, and is their pilot episode, which is an interview with a um, bottom shelf can of, yeah. <laughs> of diet cola. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they talk about how um, in I think it's Thailand or Taiwan. I think it's, yeah, I think. I think Thailand. I think, I think Thailand. Thailand. I'm pretty sure. Um, they leave out offerings for spirits, um, but they can't leave out blood anymore. So instead they leave out red Fanta as this way to do, like, I don't know, phantomancy uh, to appease the spirits so that it's just they, an offering. they bring you good luck as, like, you know, an offering. So I got a bottle of Red Fanta and I wrote Joe Wins on it. <laughs> so I was double covered with the Trump loses candle and the Joe Wins bottle. What if
1: that, What if Trump had lost, but it was actually Kanye? In Utah, we got Kanye West on our ballots. He was an option for the president.
0: I don't, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you would like, fuck, this is not what I wanted.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, we are like, we do have our little Fanta outside. And... It's, it's still
0: there, like freezes and melts and freezes and melts. Yeah,
1: like all the water is at the very top of it. And that's what freezes. But the syrup at the bottom, like the red part of the syrup is not ever frozen. And it's just there <laughs> hanging out. But I don't know. Yeah, it is that kind of sense of hope of like, maybe I can affect something.
0: Yeah. Maybe, just maybe, I can do something about it. So, there you go. I'm admitting that magic is real. Um,
1: I don't think you're wrong by saying that magic is just hope. I think that's accurate. That's exactly what it is.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, hope is important. Anybody who's read Sandman, that really epic scene um, where they're playing the oldest game, and uh, the demon Corazon says, you know, I am... The anti-life. I am the heat death of the universe. I am the eventual nothing we will all return to. And how do you top that? And then Morpheus says, I am hope and wins the oldest game. Um, Really really epic.
1: Yeah, that's kind of true. I think in a lot of ways about I'm a big believer in like whatever makes people happy. As long as it isn't like fucking with or interfering with people and you've gained consent from everyone it could affect um, I think that, you know, people who believe in Jesus and that brings them hope for the afterlife and it gives them something to pray to. That's cool. I mean, I don't do that, but I, does it make your life better? If it makes your life better, you should do it. That's my opinion. So
0: if it makes your life better and doesn't make anybody else's life worse, go ahead. Yeah. which I mean, in
1: general, well, I was going to say faith generally, is okay, like in like different religions and shit. But then you know we get a lot of extremists that uh really take it too far in a lot of different ways. So
0: and institutions that absolutely take advantage of people. Progress, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I admitted that I am true <laughs> to my word. I am honorable.
1: <laughs> and now we can continue. And the now podcast. we're
0: yeah. Let's let's ring the
1: yeah. That that was a a good one. That was a good one. Yeah.
0: Um, (laughs) So, fire is considered one of the classical elements. Before the periodic table, ancient cultures believed the world was made up of various forms of the classical elements, which are earth, air, water, and fire. And later, they would add aether. Aether was anything that wasn't earth, air, water, or fire. (laughs) So, gravity, light, spirit. All of that is just aether. It's kind of like, oh, can't figure it out. Must be a secret fifth one. So if you've ever heard of somebody like refer to the fifth element. Yeah. Uh, it's it's aether.
1: Yeah, aether. Is it the A-E combined? Yes. Aether. Okay. Yes.
0: Or just aether. Um, if you play Final Fantasy, it's ether.
1: Pagans call it a uh, spirit. Spirit. The fifth one. that's represented with the, the light candle. Element. Yes. Anyway.
0: The classical elements tend to make up most hard magic systems in fantasy and sci-fi, popularized by Brandon Sanderson. That that um, master of uh, fantasy. <laughs> hard magic systems have specified and easy to understand rules and explaining the rules is an important part of the plot usually in a hard magic system. Soft magic systems are more ambiguous and mysterious. So a hard magic system, for example, is Avatar, the last airbender. They're like hard rules that they have to oh, follow. Okay. Certain moves cause certain things to happen. Um, this would
1: be like Aleister Crowley's
0: mm-hmm. thing. It's like a hard, hard magic, it's mm-hmm. very specific rules versus a soft magic system is something like Harry Potter where like you don't understand everything fantastical that's happening. It just works and you just know that it works because um, it's magic.
1: That's me. I'm like I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. uh, light the candle, say some shit, and it'll work. Cause you believe it will. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, L, would you say real world magic is more like hard magic or soft magic?
1: Um, I think it would depend on what you subscribe to. Like I said, like OTO, Aleister Crowley's stuff is pretty intensely. Like this is what happens. This is how we do it. This is the thing. Um, I think metaphysical or like light workery kind of magic is more. Um, soft. Like I typically believe a a lot in soft magic because I think if I knew every single reason that all of the things happen for the why, that I would be, I would not be here because I would not have to be human anymore. I would like transcend (laughs) everything. You would just, and trust me, I would get the fuck out of here if I could. You would just be Doctor
0: Manhattan and go to Mars.
1: Yeah, like Like, I I wouldn't even do that. I would just like teleport myself out of my body somewhere else which is perhaps (laughs) death i think that people do that all the time (laughs) um yeah so i would say it's softer and i think um humans specifically are built to not have hard magic or hard rules to anything it's kind of like um yeah sorry i was gonna go on a tangent i have decided not to go on the tangent but there's a tangent that i could go on Perfect. A a light (laughs) clearing. I believe that it's soft magic is what we have. Okay.
0: Personally, I agree. It's a soft magic system. One of the things I've noticed is how complex real world magic is and how different it is. Even though a lot of stuff is the same cross-culturally, a lot of stuff is also different. And often the rules tend to change along with folklore um, while giving you the same result. So it seems to, you know, like ebb and flow rather than follow a strict set of rules that have existed since the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. Uh, An example is pyromancy. If real magic was hard magic, pyromancy would be all about like manipulating fire and like making fire and shooting fireballs like we see in the video games because video Mm -hmm. games do great with hard magic systems. Yeah. Uh, But pyromancy is actually an umbrella for nine – other mancies where fire is an ingredient. Uh, because fire is considered by some cultures a living being, a god, even a portal or a spell all its own. So, first we're going to do traditional pyromancy the way L does it mm-hmm. with the candle magic. Uh, and then uh, L gave the Zakatachichi one more shot.
1: I did. And so the only way we're going to be doing Chi Chi ever again is if we get COVID and we cannot taste anything. <laughs> We've already decided this is the thing that is going to happen that, like, if, God forbid, which we are so careful about not getting it. But if it happens and I lose my taste of my my sense of taste, rather... We're going to drink it again. This is it. This is the last time I'm doing
0: it. Elle smoked three bowls of Zocotachichi and is going to be scrying the ashes, a form of pyromancy called spodomancy.
1: Spodomancy. That's (laughs) great. That's so fun to say.
0: And now we're going to do our best to explore the nuances of pyromancy. Divination by fire. The people of ancient Greece, fire was representative of enlightenment. Mastery over fire is what separated the humans from the animals. The myth goes thusly. You're familiar with the myth of Prometheus?
1: I probably, but what do we refresh?
0: I'm gonna go over it, because it's it's a it's a good one. Okay. Um so Prometheus. Uh, was a titan god of fire and the gods were at war with the titans basically to like be sovereign and because they wanted to be gods and prometheus fought along the side of the gods so he was like titan traitor uh Uh. (laughs) and turned against his titan brothers but prometheus was like bro all my friends are dead now After the gods won. So Zeus rewarded him for fighting against the Titans by letting him create all life on Earth. That way he could just fuck off and make his own friends out of clay because the gods yeah. were like, you know, gee, uh, thanks, Prometheus. Um, anyway, we're going to go over to Olympus and do do God things. It was real nice of you to fight your own kind on our side and stuff. Anyway, bye. Yeah.
1: You're still not a god, though. Yeah,
0: Prometheus spread the gifts of the gods to all the beasts he made. He gave some of them flight. He gave some of them the ability to thrive in water and breathe underwater. Uh, The ability to run swiftly, etc. But Prometheus wanted some real homies. So he made humans out of clay in the image of the gods. And that kind of pissed Zeus off because he was like, I don't want to be, I I don't want to look like these mud people. (laughs) I don't want to look like your weird clay buddies. Why are you so weird, Prometheus? This is why you're not on Olympus.
1: Um, Just a quick aside. I think it's really fascinating that everyone thinks that gods look like humans. Why would you want to look like a meat sack that talks?
0: I know. When it's I,
1: kinda not attractive.
0: When I get my own Mormon planet, I'm gonna You're
1: not getting one. I
0: I'm doing I'm doing you, dragons. I'm doing a whole dragon society.
1: You but you don't get your own. You left. I'll, you don't repent, get at that. The,
0: I'll repent at the last minute. It's oh
1: fine. yeah. You'll go get your recommend. You yeah, know, like, I can take everything back, mom. Oh, is it the movie? Is it because you watched the movie from your mother? Is that why I you decided this? I,
0: I didn't watch the movie. Did
1: you like? Did touching it just like absorb? Yeah, just, the just, Jesus back in.
0: Right, just no. Anyway, okay. It is Dove approved for all ages. The the Dove is in the Jesus DVD. It's like a Christian rating to let you know that this is a Christian approved. I thought you were talking about like
1: Dove the soap.
0: And I was like, yeah, this, they have
1: a campaign for
0: that. Yeah. The, so this <laughs> this movie is about Jesus, but as you can see, Jesus isn't like a ripped carpenter because we're all about body positivity at Dove. He looks like yeah. Uh, but no, he's he's white Jesus, and he's definitely. I ripped. was going to
1: say maybe in, he would be movie. like the correct <laughs> he's race then. Certainly
0: not body positive Jesus.
1: No. No. Okay.
0: But Zeus, pissed off as he was, he let that slide so long as the humans worshipped the gods on Olympus. He's like, you can look like us so long as you like make it clear that we're the OG, like we're, we're the gods. Hmm. And so they did that. But the people were vulnerable and entirely reliable on the gods for their pathetic existence. So they wouldn't like die of exposure or drown mm-hmm. or just die of dumb stuff. Um, they didn't have any godly gifts like the other creatures to help them survive. The gods were like, looking like us is enough. Uh, so that'll
1: do. Yeah.
0: Well, good old Prometheus didn't want no boring clay like god slaves. He was like, this is dumb. I wanted real people, like real people, to be my friends. Uh, so that he knew that they needed their own gift of the gods to allow them to live independent. Of the gods' mercy. Mm. So Prometheus devised a little trick. He had, like Zeus had told Prometheus to decide how sacrifices should be made to the gods. He's like, I'm leaving this one up to you, Prometheus. Don't fuck it up. (laughs) And Prometheus presented Zeus with a, like, bowl of cow blood and entrails and another bowl that had, like, a thick layer of cow fat. And Zeus was like, I want the good one, and chose the one with the cow fat uh, to be the sacrifice to him, as it was seemingly the best part. But underneath the fat was, like, all the bones and hooves and fur and, like, all the all the junk.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And then underneath the entrails were the best cuts of steak. That way, the humans wouldn't go hungry at the expense of the gods. Okay. Outraged, Zeus stole... All fire from the earth so that humans would never discover it or harness its power to cook meat.
1: Mm. Knowing that they get
0: to keep the meat, but they don't get to cook it. Just to be like, you going to fuck me over? you going to fuck over Big Daddy Zeus? We'll see about that. Boom. No fire. Yeah, how do you like that, huh?
1: Zeus, well he's just... <laughs> Raping his way through the land, through all of the gods, through all the humans, and also fuck you. No fire.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no fire. Prometheus wasn't having none of that, though. Mm -hmm. And he realized that fire was the gift of the gods that the humans desperately needed in order to gain their independence from the gods. Zeus kind of showed his hand by taking fire from the earth before the humans could get it. So Prometheus was like, oh, this is the thing you're afraid of?
1: Mm, this is the thing I'm going to get now, then. <laughs>
0: yeah, this is what I'm going to get. So Prometheus creeps into Olympus and steals fire from Athena and Hephaestus' workshops. The god's greatest treasure... And he gave it to his little clay pals, creating humanity and gifting them with enlightenment and language and things like that. But the bad news was that the gods caught on on to him. It was too late, though. They can't take it back. They couldn't undo what Prometheus had done. So as punishment, Prometheus was chained to a rock. And every day in the morning, an eagle would rip open his belly and eat his liver. Mm -hmm. Then Prometheus would slowly grow his liver back through the night and the eagle would return the next morning to do it all again. Mm. Uh, Eventually he's freed by Hercules and it's like a whole thing. But yeah, that is one that is like the first recording of fire being revered as magic Mm -hmm. was in this myth. It's the breath of intelligence, the secret ingredient to the human soul. It wasn't just a thing you could make. It lived in you and granted you humanity. It is wisdom incarnate, valued as the greatest treasure of the gods. This makes Prometheus a bit of a folk hero and like a clever trickster god titan. But the myth also showed the great cost for which fire was obtained with Prometheus' punishment. Um, We have the Prometheus myth is like cobbled together actually from many sources Uh, from uh, Thesiod's Theogony is the most referred to one. However, we may never know the whole story. The ancient Greeks had an epic poem called Titanomancy, which detailed the battle between Zeus with the gods and the Titans. Unfortunately, we only know that it exists And we can piece together what might have been in it by references to it in other ancient Greek texts. So we'll never know exactly what it says. So uh, heads up to Indiana Jones writers. um, Like, find it. I don't know. Nicolas Cage. We're going to steal the Titanomanchi.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. It's time. Yeah, it's time. It's time. (laughs) Uh, Of course, the myth of Prometheus had a profound impact on our culture as well as pop culture. Of course, there's the sci-fi movie called Prometheus, which exists as a prequel to the Alien movies. I don't know if you ever saw that. No. (laughs) It's pretty good. A little underrated. Um, In 1820, author Percy Shelley wrote a four-act lyrical drama called Prometheus Unbound, which Mm -hmm. would romanticize Prometheus as a mythological folk hero full of cunning and selflessness, just giving gifts to people. His wife, Mary, had a different interpretation, though. Mary Shelley's book was titled Frankenstein. And not a lot of people realize this, but that's actually not the full title of the book. The full title is Frankenstein or a modern Prometheus. Mm. Shelley focused the concept of Prometheus creating mankind by literally stealing from the gods. And Frank- Dr. Frankenstein's hubris in his attempt to steal power and like he stole the power to make life from God makes him a modern Prometheus. And then, of course, he is punished for his hubris. Mm. Hmm. Of course, Frankenstein uses lightning and electricity to bring his monster to life, not fire. But at the same time, electricity was like a fairly mysterious part of science. A new
1: thing, right? Yeah. Also, um, Zeus, lightning bolts feeds really well
0: exactly they were doing some wild stuff and like electrocuting corpses and causing the muscles to contract and it made them look like they could bring a corpse to life with it
1: so okay just this is like the tangent i was gonna go on that i was like no we're gonna skip it but this is the thing so i wrote a very special bonus episode and i part of it is that um i like had shared it with one of our subscribers and our patreon subscribers and um basically the thing was is it's like what's really super fucked up about humans is as long as humans have understood that we can talk they've been like trying to drill into our brains to figure out like what make it talk what make it <laughs> talk like that's the question of everything is like what make it talk um and our like this, our patreon was like you know Maybe that makes Jeffrey Dahmer not so weird for drilling into people's heads. And I was like, no. I think just at a very – like, he was a sociopath. And I think at a very core level, he was like, what make it talk? And I think this is the thing that everyone has wondered because people don't know what souls are, don't know how it happens. Like, how do you have a thing that is alive? Like, you could have a body that's doing all of the things that a body needs to do to be alive, and it cannot be alive. Like, people's pacemakers continue on after they die. And people in comas, you know? Anyway. Um. What make it talk?
0: What make it talk? <laughs> and according to Aristotle, what really separated like true humans from animals was the concept of logos, which is language. Mm-hmm. Of course, this will, his writings on this were super problematic and would feed into like racism and justifications for slavery for yeah. literally centuries. Um, but that comes from fire. Fire make it talk.
1: Well, and I think the other thing that's really interesting is, like, looking at, because I studied, like, I was researching, I guess, uh, healthcare, basically, throughout humanity's time. And what's really interesting is, like, we didn't even see that individual humans mattered until, like, the 17th century, Well, I mean after like Greek and Roman and Egyptian time. But even like in Egyptian times, like everyone who took care of the pharaoh, they would do stuff. They would make sure that the pharaoh had this really beautiful um, sarcophagus and all the stuff and like the burial take care of the pharaoh because they were the stars in the sky. So when the pharaoh came back to life, they as the stars would come down. And be with the pharaoh, so They got to live another lifetime because he would select them to live another lifetime for taking care of him. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting because humans have been like since then, since we had the Dark Ages, like humans were animals unless you weren't an animal. And there was like no definition of what that could mean. And then when humanism started rising again, then people were like, maybe humans like individually matter, (laughs) which has been really interesting. I don't know. This is what I've been looking at. It's been weird. Uh,
0: Fire. Uh, actually, let's...
1: Yeah. It's a lot of those today. Yeah. Know.
0: <laughs> so fire gave the ancient Greeks the ability to forge weapons and wage war as well. Pyromancy was performed at the temples to Hephaestus, gazing into the forge for inspiration and preying on the flames to produce strong weapons. Greek gods had their specific cults. The cult of Hephaestus worshipped fire. But they weren't the only ones doing pyromancy, though. Fire was a gift of enlightenment, and Athena is the goddess of wisdom, but also a goddess of war. And I know people are like, Ares is the Greek god of war, and he is, but he's more of the god of aggression and violence and force. Mm -hmm. Athena, as a war goddess, embodies strategy, cunning, tactics. As such, she is connected to the element of fire, a tool of war, but also a symbol of enlightenment.
1: Hmm, interesting.
0: At the Temple of Athena in Athens, virgins specifically <laughs> would perform pyromancy. And I couldn't find much to their methods, but traditionally the way they would do it is by entering a trance, and gazing into a fire, and viewing the shapes of the flames. Pyromancy goes beyond ancient Greece, though. And, like, the way that they did the pyromancy in, like, the Temple of Athena inspired things like Game of Thrones and the mm-hmm. Lord of Light, where you have this pyromancy... The Red Witch is literally a pyromancer. Her power comes from fire and she like gazes in fire and burns things to gain their power, which is how they did it in ancient Greece. It it wasn't just the staring into the fire, but there was also burnt offerings. And the way that the offerings were burnt and what offering was burned would provide a different boon from the gods. The fire was – and the smoke basically would deliver the offering to the gods.
1: Yes. So when you do – burning ceremonies which i took a bullshit class last night yesterday um yeah you burn paper you burn petitions and you send them to the gods because the fire takes it away in the smoke so yes can confirm
0: uh remember when i said that pyromancy is actually like nine different mancies like mm-hmm. combined together well in asia they practiced scapula mancy A form of pyromancy where the shoulder bone or scapula of an animal was thrown into a fire. In ancient China, the scapula bones were called oracle bones. And scapulomancy, being bone, is also a form of osteomancy. So it falls under two umbrellas. Mm -hmm. Uh, So apyromantic and pyromantic. The apyromantic version uh, would be a form of osteomancy. The pyromantic, form of pyromancy. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to go over all the different subcategories of pyromancy. But first, we've got an extra spell
1: Ooh! brought to
0: you by Mini Pearl Vintage. Now, we're going to talk about fire sacrifices, specifically human sacrifices. Fire is a symbol of power, enlightenment, and a gift from the gods. Burnt offerings are scattered throughout history as a way to appeal to deities. Sometimes, though, they would be taken a little too far. As was the case with the cult of Kronos in ancient Carthage and their ancestors, the Canaanites, and their god, Moloch. Moloch. Moloch.
1: Okay.
0: You may have heard of Moloch referred to as like a demon or a king of hell. But any kind of god that's mentioned in the Bible that isn't the true god Mm. is basically a demon. In the Bible, Moloch is a Canaanite god depicted with a bull's head and arms outstretched over a fire pit called a Trophet, which means roasting place. In the same area, after the accounts of Moloch, Kronos was worshipped similarly with arms outstretched over a trophit. Archaeologists uncovered a trophet in Carthage and examined the bones inside. Now, is a trophet is a fire pit used specifically for sacrifices. It's a sacrifice barbecue, basically. <laughs> and in, in the one that they excavated in Carthage, it contained various animal bones and something a little more disturbing, infant bones. Mm. According to biblical accounts the Canaanites would sacrifice children at the statue of Moloch by placing a baby in the hands of the statue that was over the trophet, and they would light the fire, and the baby would begin to roast. A mechanism would be activated that would cause the arms to drop the child into the Trophet uh, and of course, whether or not that's actually what happened is fairly disputed. Biblical accounts often demonize other religions unfairly, and the trope of they eat babies or they kill babies is pervasive. Yeah. It's like one of the go-tos if you want to demonize anything, but there have been accounts of ancient Canaanites and then like ancient Greek accounts uh, that refer to infant sacrifice rather than only the biblical accounts, which kind of do point in that direction. Like if like the ancient Greek texts agree with the biblical texts, yeah, that's probably what happened. Uh, <laughs> and many archaeologists and historians believe that any of the sacrificed infants, though, were already dead due to disease and stillbirth.
1: I was going to say, I think even like if we look at the history of like human sacrifice, in a lot of places it was viewed as a sacred thing that the people did willingly. So, and I know the baby can't consent, but there were a lot of dead babies and a lot of dead moms because we didn't have health care. Yeah, Uh,
0: and... The infant bones they found were very few in number compared to the animal bones. Mm. They were farly in the minority. And also, they were fairly scattered through the layers of bones that they were excavating, leading them to believe that this was not a regular occurrence. It wasn't Mm. like scheduled like, oh, which Sunday, baby sacrificing day.
1: Time to get the baby. (laughs) It it was a more
0: like sporadic event.
1: Okay. Yeah. So like occasionally, Mm -hmm. huh.
0: It would make sense that stillbirths would be op- offered up to the gods as some sort of dark mythological coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, archaeological data shows that there was an extremely high infant mortality rate, and the trophies served as a sort of burial ground for. You know, I was going to say, like cremation. Still- stillbirths or infants that did not survive mm-hmm. very long. Uh, other scholars lean toward the child sacrifice theory, though, uh, examining the bones they believe they could be as old as two months, which isn't really consistent with stillbirth, although there were plenty of things that could kill a two-month-old infant so, in ancient like, Carthage.
1: <laughs> if you lived through that, you were fucking tough. Like, if you lived to be five, wow. And, like, yeah. there's a reason they got wives and shit when they were 14 because ain't nobody lived that long, like, you know? Yeah.
0: Uh, infant sacrifices to Kronos do align with the myth of Kronos, though. Kronos was, you know, a titan. He was the big daddy titan. Mm-hmm. He was the father of Zeus and Poseidon and the other Greek gods. The titan Gaia told Kronos a prophecy that he would become overcome by his sons. And so Kronos was like, well, I'm not having that. And I'm definitely... You know, going to still keep having sex. So Kronos ate all of his children the moment they were born. Except. To prevent the prophecy. These were the children by the titan Rhea uh chronos's oh. sister and incestuous consort
1: i thought you were gonna tell us about zeus because Zeus is the child of chronos who survived we're about
0: to oh okay uh and rhea was none too happy about having all of her children eaten <laughs> at
1: birth i'd be so fucking pissed <laughs> if you go through that like be pregnant for nine months and be miserable and then the baby daddy's like actually i'm just gonna eat this oh i would be so mad
0: so rhea and gaia devised a plan For when the sixth child would be born, Rhea wrapped the Omphalos stone in swaddling clothes. And the Omphalos stone was said to be the stone which was at the center of the universe, the center of reality, the center of all things. And Kronos ate the stone which allowed Rhea to hide Zeus away. Zeus would eventually make Kronos vomit with some kind of cosmic Ipecac syrup or something. (laughs) Uh, And all of his siblings and the Omphalos stone were expelled from Kronos' belly, allowing the gods who had grown up inside of Kronos, I guess, to overthrow the Titans.
1: We studied this in one of my philosophy courses, and I'm just having like flashbacks to reading um, the literature about this OG stuff.
0: Yeah. And if you're watching the new adventure, the, the new season of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, the Omphalos Stone actually plays an important story story plot.
1: Oh, my God. I had a client that I did a reading for and she like wrote me back this like huge, huge message. And she was like, I found this new Netflix thing. It's about Sabrina and her chilling adventures. <laughs> She's oh, like a kindergarten teacher. It's just so that funny. that
0: show that show has some problematic things, and you know what? I'm not going to go on a tangent and explain everything problematic about Sabrina the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and even and though Chilling Adventures uh, I I do enjoy parts of it. I'm just going to say that that lady is going to have a bad time if she thinks it's an innocent comedy like Sabrina, the teenage witch, because there is a lot of fucking and a lot of blood in that show.
1: I know. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, so the symbolism is there with the myth of Kronos eating babies. So perhaps they felt as though offering a baby to Kronos would grant them some kind of boon. Perhaps they sacrificed already dead infants in hopes that Kronos would, you know, regurgitate their soul and grant them a healthy child. Uh, the archaeologists and scholars go back and forth still, there it's you know a pretty apt metaphor throughout history. In fact, it may have always uh been only a metaphor, like this mm-hmm. whole child sacrifice thing. Moloch may just be a lost ancient Canaanite word that means sacrifice. Moloch may not have been a god at all, just the concept of sacrifice, given the extreme gravity of sacrificing a child, mm-hmm. and even if it wasn't, it sure as hell means that now uh coming up in. Literature over and over, and in political allegories, the pro life movement in the 19th century adopted Moloch as a symbol to draw a parallel between people who get abortions and child sacrifice. Like, very grody. Uh, Jesse Parent and I, another poet, Mm -hmm. wrote a poem to flip this and talk about parents who don't support their children when they're alive as the real manifestation of Moloch rather than abortion. The real child sacrifice is...
1: Birthing something you've no intention of actually taking care of. Exactly. Because you're so vain that you want your child to be perfect. And if they don't hit every single perfect mark, well, then they aren't good enough.
0: Just recycle them. Kronos will vomit them back out and they'll be better.
1: Um, uh, I'm not going to go into this, but most definitely LDS people do that. Yeah. Most definitely.
0: Yeah. Yikes. Uh, anyway, that poem uh, doesn't exist anywhere and you won't ever find it. So there. <laughs> and that was the extra spell brought to you by Mini Pearl Vintage. Mini Pearl is a bespoke vintage clothing company where every item is lovingly handmade to order. Mini Pearl is known for their pin-up aesthetic. With striking dresses and retro button-ups. In fact, Jess, the seamstress at Mini Pearl, is hard at work making us—uh, uh, making me an old-school Guy Fieri-looking bowling shirt and L a pin-up dress.
1: I'm uh, getting a dress.
0: Yeah. She's going to get you a dress.
1: Oh, my God. I'm also going to order, order a little bow ties for my dog. My yeah. dog wears bow ties. She
0: makes bow ties for dog collars.
1: So, yeah, I'm going to do that. 10%
0: afraid. of every purchase goes to a charity of your choice. Head over to minipearlvintage.com, M-I-N-N-I-E, pearlvintage.com, and use promo code MANCY20 for a 10% discount and let them know that Mancy sent you. <laughs> back to pyromancy. We were discussing the oracle bones used in pyromancy, the scapula bones of animals. Archaeological data shows that prehistoric Koreans were practicing scapulomancy as early as 300 B.C., and there's also some evidence to indicate it was practiced in North America as well. There's... The ancient Japanese texts uh, that indicate that it was practiced in Japan as well, but also popular in Japan was a variant of it, another form of pyromancy, which used turtle shells instead of bone. That practice is known as plasteromancy. Specifically, they would heat up the pits of tortoise or turtle shells and scry the changes in coloration.
1: Wait, the pit, like the shell?
0: Uh Uh-huh. So, like, um, the, you know how they have, like, the little, like, dimples? Like, the black, like, dimples that go across the top.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: So they, like, horrifically remove the shell from the Oh, virtual. okay,
1: okay. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was checking. I was just yeah. saying if this was as bad as I was thinking it was. Yes. It is. It is that bad. And okay. it's
0: super duper illegal everywhere today. Yes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so it should be. Not
0: really a thing that happens anymore. And then, even worse, um... In like the the early nineteenth century, they would turn these turtle shells into guitars,
1: mm-hmm. and it's
0: illegal to even own one.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, humans are so fucked up. They're like, I found this cool thing. Should we kill it and save it? Why? Why do that? Weird.
0: Yeah. I mean, we. I want to know if what talk. <laughs> I want to know if Susie's gonna have a baby. So let's rip the shell off this turtle and beat it to death and heat it up. <laughs>
1: You know, I think maybe I'm just, uh, because of all the research I've done, horrified at humans right now. I'm just always horrified at humans. But, like, what the fuck?
0: But, I mean, surviving was already hard enough. They were like, sucks to suck, turtle. I know one day I'm going to be eaten by turtles, and it'll be my turn. To... To...
1: tell the fort what? No, I don't think there's a justification. I'm sorry. I'm sorry there's not. Like tie the chicken up and give him feed and let him tell you the future. Fuck.
0: Um so uh that's yeah, that's super illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh but we'll go more into scapulomancy eventually if we ever do an episode on osteomancy. Yeah, which is its own huge thing.
1: Yeah, there's so many things, there's so many ways that you can do osteomancy, like divination too. Yeah.
0: And typically um, the scapula is retrieved from the fire after you, you know, the fire's died out and the scapula has become smoky and cracked and where like the, the, the smokiness and the, the scars and cracks on the bone are is what you, what you scry. Uh apyromantic scapulomancy mostly involves determining if the bone is transparent or not and how transparent and if there are any cracks or discolorations. You like scrape all the meat off. You scrape all the cartilage so off. So would it be like, – Hold it up I, to the sun.
1: I – do they just find a random lamb or does it have to be like someone raised it? Like, oh, this is my sheep that I raised. It's usually, I slaughtered it. This is the, the bone. Tell me my future. So
0: it's usually a lamb that you're going to eat.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, or a
0: sacrificial lamb.
1: Yeah, either, that would make sense. Okay.
0: Either. Uh, pyromantic scapulomancy involves scrying how the bone was changed with heat added. New cracks or cloudiness in mm-hmm. the transparency of the bone. Next... We're going to talk about mancy. Oh, uh, I, forgot to, I forgot to mention this because it was apiromantic. I guess I didn't think it was important to write down. But during the Greek War for Independence, the soldiers would do scapulomancy. Uh, they'd usually have a soldier that knew how to read the bones. Mm. So he'd scrape the meat off of their pre-battle like battle feast and then hold it up and like see if the light shines through it. And then he'd be like, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to die tomorrow. Or he's going to be like, yeah, we're going to kill him. Uh, just depending.
1: Well, I don't think that you'd get much sleep the night before a big battle, <laughs> so that makes not. sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: now we're going to talk about Cideromancy. This one was really difficult to find the history of. Uh, I don't really know where it originated, and I don't know any historical figures who have done it. I just know what it is and how it's done. Okay. Um, because I had a lot of pyromancy to research, and I didn't want to, like— Turn into, like, a crazy conspiracy theorist-like guy with my cork board and string uh, trying to track down <laughs> more information about Cideromancy.
1: Yeah, that was me when I was researching. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Uh,
0: so Cideromancy is a form of pyromancy that involves taking a length of straw and pressing a hot iron onto it. And you can do this at home with a clothes iron. There are two main methods. The first is to... To press the iron onto the straw that's laid out on a flat surface, like an ironing board or something. And then you observe the way the ashes have, like, spread out after it's, like, burned under the iron. Okay. Um, the second method—actually, probably don't do that at home. You probably need to do it on, like, a concrete surface. Um, yeah. Not an ironing board.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.
0: The second method is to take a hot iron or just a piece of hot metal and slowly lower it onto a straw that is being held upright and the direction it curls and the amount of smoke uh, it produces or if it actually catches fire is what you'll use for the different divination. It means, you know, different things. You can place the straw in a vise, like on a table and have a pendulum board underneath it. To help answer your question, if it curls towards yes or no or a sign on a Zodiac wheel, uh, then that's, you know, the answer it's pointing towards. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could find out more about it. Uh, so if you're a Sideromancer out there, um, send me a what message about, on Twitter.
1: We should hit up the Asparagus Mancer.
0: We should. We should ask her. The There's a lady who does a yearly almanac by throwing stalks of asparagus on the ground.
1: I bet she she would know.
0: I bet she would. Um, but yeah, if you're a sideromancer, send me a message at compliment on Twitter. Or uh, who knows? Fuck it. Maybe we'll do some sideromancy one day. Uh, if we do, we'll throw it on Patreon or something. Yeah. Yeah. Another form of pyromancy that's a little easier to do at home is caromancy, which is candle divination. This was performed by the ancient Greeks and ancient druids. There are ancient writings that state that they were used as part of like druidic funeral rites. They would hold a bowl of wax over a fire to heat it up and then pour it into cold water. And the shapes the wax would take when it solidifies would divine the future. More contemporary, though, involves just using a charm candle and you scry the wax once the candle is all melted. Uh, But you can also divine things by watching the behavior of the flame as the candle burns down. Like if it's like burning really Mm -hmm. hot or like if it flickers or if it's leaning to one side.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Those tell – oh, sorry.
0: I was just going to say that also tells you stuff. but
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it tells you specifically how the spell is going. So like if you light a spell candle and the um, flame is really big, it's going really fast. Like it's just going to burn through that energy. If it's really, really slow and small – um, It has so a lot of times what you'll see happen is like a really, really tiny flame and then it gets really huge all of a sudden and that's it burning through obstacles and then the energy taking off. Mm. So, yeah, there are like when you do candle magic, you can look at your candle and you can scry to see how the spell is going, like if it's going to work. And like if the candle goes out on its own, either didn't work or it doesn't need any more energy, but you should not light that candle again. <laughs>
0: Mm. Yeah, I would I would say that caromancy is probably the most commonly used modern form of pyromancy. I
1: would say so, because like if you're on any sort of like witchcraft group like online, people will talk about that. They'll be like, oh, my God, this happened with my spell candle. What does it mean? Like constantly. So, Mm. yeah, that would I would say is one of the widely spread uses of it,
0: which is why that's what we're doing for our divination uh, of part one. Uh, That's the end of part one of our coverage of pyromancy. In part two, we're going to go over the other subcategories of pyromancy. Allomancy, botanomancy, capnomancy, uh, and daftomancy, and I think another one, but I'll let that be a mystery. Uh oh Spotomancy. That's what it is. Not a mystery. Spotomancy. Spotomancy. Just
1: call me the Spotomancer. L <laughs> the Spotomancer. It
0: sounds like a kids like bicycle with training wheels. Like a hyper aggressive boys bicycle.
1: It, it sounds like hey kids, I'm the Spiderman. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like a
0: children's superhero. Oh. Like yeah. an like an Aquabat. <laughs> like
1: like Wanda, what is her superhero name? Wanda Scarlet,
0: Visions. Scarlet Witch,
1: Scarlet Witch, like that. Yeah, photomancer. <laughs> I just like saying that; it's kind of fun. I encourage the audience to say photomancer. It's a good time.
0: But for now, let's scry the candle wax for the for the candle that we burned uh, for
1: Marianne.
0: Marianne, yes. Uh, who is one of our Patreon subsporters, subscribers.
1: Miriam, our Spodomatic supporter on Patreon. And
0: we burned a candle that was in the shape of a black cat um, because the other candles don't produce wax. They just evaporate.
1: Yeah, chime candles are really cheap, super quick burning ones. So this one is a little bit more heavy-duty. And it's kind of fun. And and it looked like a cute little cat. It did, yeah. With a little wick coming out of it. I him. got those for me and my witchy friends one year for Christmas. I got us like six of them. And they're just kind of fun to do in spells and stuff. But...
0: Yeah, and examining the flame, we had it under the TV while we were watching Ink Masters. You
1: know, I think that I think maybe our audience likes to hear the updates of like what we've watched this week. I think they understand that all we do is watch things. So yeah,
0: we also started the uh, since we had to get CBS All Access because we we're addicted to fucking <laughs> so if Ink you Master.
1: If you have not yet made it to the phase of the quarantine that leads you to the Ink Master, I want to encourage you to go there. But there's only two seasons of it on Netflix, and we were like settled in we are like there's 13 seasons we know what our focus is now this is what we're gonna do and there's only two seasons on netflix so we had to go through amazon prime i fucking hate amazon we had to do the amazon prime and we had to do the cbs all access and i paid the 9.99 a month to have no commercials so we can just binge our ink masters except
0: now we're addicted to the 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 new jordan peele hosted twilight zone which it's is on cbs all access <laughs>
1: Phenomenal. It is so it is good. Like, they're little tiny, like, super high quality movies in yeah. an hour. It's basically an entire movie narrative in an hour. It's I, so good. I would
0: say it absolutely competes with Black Mirror. Uh, which I is think it's much thing. better
1: than Black Mirror because I think. So, I actually have an issue with like censored media. I don't like censored media because I feel like it limits the amount of emotion and like swearing is not always necessary. Like if you're going to use fuck in a script, it has to matter. You don't use that word for nothing. But I think when they avoid using it, when they censor that and censor the topics, it's not as good. I don't think the media is a, is as Wait, pure. D-
0: do you think Black Mirror is censored? Yeah. Black Mirror is like rated R. Like the first Are episode, sure? the first episode of do fuck a dude fucks a pig. <laughs> what
1: am I thinking of? I thought we watched Black Mirror and you were like, "Oh, this is super spooky." And I was like, "It's fucking not." Uh,
0: we watched the the White Christmas episode with the 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 dating guy that uh d- creates copies of people's consciousness to turn them into like a Siri.
1: The one I'm thinking of was this woman I think it's sexually assaulted, like at a Christmas party or something, and then everyone like piles against the guy who's like committing these like yes. sexual assault. I is that not censored? I thought it was.
0: Nope, not censored. I think they say fuck twice actually.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's as good. <laughs> I simply do not think it's as good. It feels very like pull the rain backs like the reins back. Like uh let's 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 just like, you know, bring it yeah. back a little bit. And, and I don't like the new Twilight Zone does not do that at all. Not one time
0: and And, to be clear, at the the party uh he, the girl doesn't get sexually assaulted. She commits a murder suicide with the the guy that she's set up with
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and then everybody's like, "Oh, this is your fault because you were leading him and watching all of this
1: so no, what I'm remembering, like what I remember is this girl gets sexually assaulted at like a work party. And um, she wakes up. She doesn't remember what happened. Like she was like uh, roofied or something. And she just feels like there's something inside of her. And then she like plants eggs in the guy who was like this sexual assailant. um, And it's bugs hatch out of his eyes. Is that not?
0: No, that's not Black Mirror.
1: Someone tell me about that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: I'm having a crisis right now. I'm trying deeply to remember I don't know what I'll have to look. <laughs> RJ is so fucking sick of my <laughs> tangents today. It's fine, <laughs> whatever. The new Twilight Zone does not pull any punches. It's really phenomenal. You should definitely watch yeah. it. Big old trigger warning yeah. for one of the episodes. Episode three. Big yeah, old trigger warning three. for episode three. I was not prepared for it. It yeah. was very graphic and hard to watch, but that's yeah. okay.
0: Um. All right, Marianne. We're gonna go get the melted wax. And we will see what the flames have in store for you All right. what is Marianne's question?
1: What steps can I take this month to get on a path to peace, love and contentment? Okay, which is a great question. righty.
0: We got the, the wax blobs here. Yeah And the flame didn't it didn't do anything spectacular like, jump up or burn really hot or shrink down to little, little pea size.
1: Yeah, it just was very, yeah, normal. The interesting thing is that there's no wick left in this candle. Like, typically you'll see, like, just a little bit of the wick or it'll burn all the way through. Yeah. So a lot of times there won't be any wick left because it's, like, burned all the way down through the wax. But there's still, like, a pool of wax that's, like, the base of the candle, which is interesting. Um... Aw, there's like two people kissing. Here, that's cute. Let me see. Like this person and this person kissing.
0: Oh man, I. It kind of looked like uh, a a wasp uh, humping a fig to me, but two people kissing definitely more romantic. (laughs)
1: It does kind of look like a wasp is like, like, the body looks like a wasp, like, wrapping around. Um, okay, so I see the two people kissing, and then I see, like, a square over, like, one little part here. And then, um, what's interesting is that there's this little bit of wax that, like, folded down and over. And I don't really know what it looks like, but it, like, to me, it looks like a cave and then a hummingbird. Okay, so what yeah, that looks like a hummingbird. Look at that from that side right here. This.
0: Oh, yeah, or like a little little well, yeah, sparrow.
1: Like a little, yeah, it's just a little bird. It's a burb. Okay. So, um with animal medicine, the hummingbird represents joy and quick movement and kind of being on your feet, like really being ready to move. So I feel like this month is gonna be actually pretty um like action oriented actionable there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts a lot of things changing i guess this month not maybe not changing but just evolving. Like I don't feel like there's going to be huge major changes that you're like, "Oh my god, who am I? What am I doing?" But it does feel like changes that need to happen over time or like when like you have a relationship and the relationship evolves and it's not a bad thing, but it's different. Like that kind of stuff. So really like seeking joy, really focusing on finding joy, getting out of the box, getting out of your normal routine. I definitely feel like um we're all kind of hitting that I don't know, round 4 of quarantine fatigue where it just feels like we're so done being quarantined and like it's this will hard. never end. I yeah, I don't know when it will end, but that's okay. Nobody asked me. So, I would say um and that really finding a way to get out of your routine and like making opportunities for yourself to find love. I feel like love is a thing that you've really been, and I mean like romantic love, that you've been focused on or that you've been like looking for, but it just feels a little impossible. Or I don't really think that you felt stable enough to really pursue a relationship that would be good for you. So now is a time when that relationship is going to come to the forefront. um, for you to focus on or for you to recenter around. Um, I also see a little flamingo. And I would have to look up what flamingo medicine is. But I feel like you have these like really vibrant, joyful birds that are really focused on like being unique and being fun and being who they are. Um, And so I feel like that's a thing that you're really seeking to find. I have another shape in the top of this wax that Yeah, it looks like a man's face. So I just feel like you have whatever the relationship is or if you've been looking at a relationship, if you've been thinking about reentering a relationship, if you've been thinking about starting a relationship with someone, I feel like it's a really good month to do those things um, as long as you're staying true to yourself. And I do feel like there's some uh, maybe confusion surrounding what being true to yourself looks like or that you're not really sure – about ways you've had to sacrifice for other relationships or it might be like oh, i'm gonna go be part of this relationship and then you find out that you have to sacrifice all this stuff and that's not going to work for you so really focusing on being true to yourself being joyful and not accepting anything but joy for those relationships
0: i just looked up flamingo like animal medicine symbolism mm-hmm. uh and it says that the flamingo reminds you to get in touch with your emotions and not bottle things up so that you can express and process your feelings
1: Perfect. Yeah. So and will you look up hummingbird medicine, too? Yeah. Um. So when you focus on those things inside of relationship, it feels really good to me. I definitely like keep going back to the couple kissing over and over again up here. So I feel like that's, you know, another important thing that, um yeah, to think about or whatever that relationship is. It feels okay as long as you don't have to sacrifice your emotional health and you don't have to bite your tongue. I feel like biting your tongue is going to be the thing that is going to be make or break or that it should be make or break for a relationship for you.
0: So the Hummingbird Medicine says lightness of being and enjoyment of life, being more present, independence, bringing playfulness and joy into your life, lifting up negativity, swiftness and the ability to respond quickly and resiliency and being able to travel great distances tirelessly.
1: Okay, yeah. So when we look at that kind of as a whole, like with this, I think it's really important that you focus on those things as like your search for contentment and like also you can expand your scope of relationship or like what you're really searching for in relationship and not have to sacrifice to be in those relationships. So focusing on like joy, contentment, you being you, you focusing on, you know, your hummingbird medicine and your flamingo medicine and understanding that those things come before relationship does. And also I think redefining roles of relationship in your life. Obviously you didn't really ask about being romantic or having a romantic relationship, but that just feels like a big thing for you right now that's bringing up a lot of feelings and a lot of different thoughts. And what you can do is you can reform your relationship to relationships and what you're looking for there. And I think finding ways to really honor your true self and be in tune with your true self is going to be the thing that makes you the happiest.
0: All righty. I hope you had a good reading from (laughs) our melted cat. (laughs) uh, Candle. Candle, uh, Marianne. Uh, It does look like there's a little burb perched on it. It does. Weird little wax. Like
1: I couldn't figure out what it was. It's kind like... of
0: standing up. It's like it's perched on the edge. Um, so that is pretty cool looking. Yeah. Um, hit us up on Patreon and Elle will do a reading for you on the show using whatever divination method we're covering. Patreon.com slash Mansi. Also, if you like the show, please share with your friends. The more support we have, the more episodes we can make. And if you like my writing, you can pick up books at rjwalkerpoet.com.
1: If you wanted to get a reading from me, you can find me on Etsy, which is Laurels of Lux. You can also find me on Twitter, at Laurels of Lux. been doing lots of weird uh, polls lately on my Twitter, so you can hit me up there. If you wanted to make a one-time donation to the show, you can Venmo at dollar compliments, and RJ will give you a free, well, free, and a donatable whatever-you-donate reading, Or bullshit reading.
0: Yeah, uh, so I call them bullshit tarot readings, where I don't know anything about... Uh, how to read tarot, but I do my best to make it up and pretend as though I do. Uh, so if you want one of those, you can donate any amount to at dollar compliments on Venmo, even if it's like 50 cents or something. I'll still pull That's a card great. for you. Janna yeah. Jana last time got radical star skater who doesn't let his dad tell him that star skating isn't a real job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dad. Dad. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, if you wanted to donate, we're happy to accept those and we'll give you a shout out on the show. So thank you for supporting us in all of the many, many ways, including just telling your friends about us, leaving reviews, donating, whatever, just interacting with us. We're stoked about this podcast. We're happy to share it with you all.
0: The music was provided by, in order of appearance, Hayden Fulker, Arthi Vinka, Miu, and Scott Buckley.